0: Good Good morning. You know, it's snowing outside and you're still here. That's how you know you're from Utah or live in Utah for a minute is you can drive in the snow, right? Well, it's good to see everyone. Um, Pastor Jason is in California preaching at a friend's church and so I get the privilege of opening our series Sacred Eight with you all. And um, we're going to be focusing over the next eight weeks until Easter. I can't even say Easter like without like going, oh my gosh, how is that eight weeks away? But this is life, time to flies, right? Um, but we're going to take the next eight weeks to just focus on sacred moments of Jesus' journey throughout, like, his life. Sound good? So we're going to get started today by praying, because prayer is a good thing, and I need it, and you need it. We all need it, so let's pray. (laughs) Lord Jesus, we just lift up this time to you, God. Lord, we ask that you just be with us, God, that you would just um, help our hearts to be open, our minds to be ready to learn from your word, Father God, and I just pray right now that you would just speak in and through me, God, that your heart would just be um, just given to everyone in the room today, God. Lord, I just believe that this message um, isn't just meant for me, God, it isn't my words, Lord. it's yours and I believe there's people in the room today that need to hear this word and I just pray that you would just encourage them in this moment in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alright, well I want to give you a little background about where we're starting. So we're going to be starting in the Gospel of John today and John is the fourth gospel and it is 90% unique to the rest of the Gospels. So if you read the Gospels, you'll go through Matthew, Mark, Luke and a lot of times you'll see the same story, the same idea, like different perspectives or different thoughts about the same story but mainly speaking, they're very similar, right? Well, John is not. He decided to be a little rebellious. He's my guy. Like, that's the one. Oh, that, they already covered that. I'm going to cover this. So, here we are in John, and John is written by a disciple of Jesus. Not to be confused with John the Baptist. He was already beheaded before John was written. So, it is an inspired word of God, but that would be creepy. So, <laughs> so we're here in, the, in John, and it's written by one of his disciples, so he was walking on this journey um, of Jesus uh, coming into knowing Jesus and falling under his discipleship all the way through to his, the cross, right? Yeah. So today um, we're going to talk about how John is focusing really on the identity of who Jesus Christ is. So that's his focus for the entire Bible, or the entire book of John. His focus is the identity of Christ, his Purpose is to reach unbelievers, so that's why you'll kind of read through John and you'll find like new stories and new realities, and some that are maybe even easier to kind of grapple with because as a new believer, we can tend to kind of start there and be like, okay, I can kind of grab this. And so um, we actually here at the well encourage that the first step that you go to in your Bible is the book of John when you're like, hey, I'm new to Jesus, I don't, I don't know anything about this. That's the place we encourage you to go because that's where you're going to start to understand the identity of who Jesus Christ was when he walked earth. Sound good? Okay, so as we are diving in today, I am going to be speaking from the subject, wait for it. Wait for it. How many of you feel like you're in a season of waiting for it? Well, hopefully this will encourage you a little bit today. And we're going to start in John 2. I want you to open your Bibles if you have them. Anybody have a real Bible in the room? Yeah, oh. Lots of Bibles, okay. That does not make you holier necessary, just less distracted than the one on your phone, right? Because how many of you know? Oh, I'm on U version, and then suddenly I have a Facebook notification, and an Instagram notification, and a text message, and what? What were we talking about, right? So I, I encourage grabbing a Bible, grabbing a notebook, and bringing it to church with you, just so that we can focus in on this 30 minutes. Okay, that's all we're asking for—30 minutes. Okay, so let's open it to John 2, verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding as well. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother told him, they don't have any wine. Some of you might be like, yeah, that'd be a crisis in my home. We're not going to talk about that. (laughs) We're not not approving that in this moment, okay? (laughs) What does that have to do with you and me, woman? Jesus asked, my hour has not yet come. Do whatever he tells you, his mother told the servants. Now six stone water jars had been set There for Jewish purification. Each contained twenty or thirty gallons. Fill the jars with water, Jesus told them. So they filled them to the brim. Then he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the head waiter. And they did. When the head waiter tasted the water after it became wine, He did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. He called the groom and told him, everyone sets out the fine wine first, then after people are intoxicated or drunk, the inferior. But you have kept the fine wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So, there's probably a few things in the story you're like, oh my goodness, like, what are we talking about here? Jesus calls his mama woman? How rude right or is Jesus saying wine's okay and all of these things and you're going we're not going to talk about that so I'm sorry we can't I cannot help you with that today <laughs> but he does the Bible does speak to it so you can dig in deeper about you know all the things but and and, and really into what Jesus was saying to his mother and also we gotta kind of probably are struggling with the fact that Mary just straight up ignored him when I read it I was like Mary just said Sorry, I don't care what you're saying, I'm off. But that's not the reality, right? There's always a little bit deeper to the story. So I want to encourage you, if those are the questions popping into your head, go read your Bible, go find out what God says about it all, and I guarantee you can figure it out, like, okay, this is a really sacred, actual moment where God's trying to teach us something. So that's what we're going to dig into. We're going to look at the big picture, as opposed to all those, like, little, nitty-gritty questions that we might have. Sound good? You guys okay with that? All right, um... And we do have answers for all those questions, by the way. So, just so you know. Don't come ask me. Read your Bible. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I studied up on it well, so we're, this particular passage, I should say, well, not everything. We're working on that. Alright, so here we have Jesus, not yet coming into his time. So when he says, my hour is not yet here. Woman, my hour is not yet here. What does this have to do with me? The reality is, Jesus is referring to and looking toward the future and the cross. So he is understanding that his hour hasn't come to reveal his glory in entirety, yet glory needs to be revealed to have him get to the cross. Right, The conflict of Jesus getting to the cross has to start by Jesus starting to kind of expose who he is and who his true identity is. And so in this moment, his hour has not yet come, the cross has not yet come, yet glory is still to be revealed in this moment. In John 2, 11 we understand that this is the first sign of Jesus. So some um, commentaries would say that, because, that this first First here means primary, and what he's speaking to, what the point of it calling out, like this is the primary, the first sign of Jesus, is just starting to show that this is really the inauguration of Jesus being glorified. This is the beginning of the start to the cross, right? Now Jesus came, obviously, through Mary, and had a baby, and he had to grow up, and in that growing up period, we don't see moments of him being glorified, because it wasn't his time yet. And yet now, here we are in this moment of seeing Jesus first sign and this first sign shows us a couple other things which is that one he's about to usher in a new reality he's going to usher in a new covenant he's going to usher in a new um, story he's going to change what was old to something new That's the purpose of Jesus. The miracle is important because it is the beginning of the new and the end of the old. The first sign was a look to the future, a fulfillment of the now, and an acknowledgement of a need. And that's what we see here in this first sign. to take us back a couple steps because one other thing we see is that on John two eleven he says that the disciples believed in him and that is an important part of the story because it helps us to understand that what we're going to talk to today is that it's not just about Jesus but it's not not about Jesus it's not just about you and it's not not about you It's all those things. But the bigger picture is that it actually is all about Jesus, right? Everything in the entirety of the Bible leads to a storyline about all about Jesus. And so we're just kind of seeing this take place. And so the next thing we see is that the disciples are firmed in their faith. So John 2.11 says the disciples then believed in him after they saw this sign, right? So John 1, 47, I want to kind of go back a couple verses and show us like a little bit of a storyline between Jesus and one of his new disciples. So at this point, um, Jesus had just had like five guys start to follow him. And so the one we're going to look at is Nathaniel. It says this, John 1.47, then Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said about him, here truly is an Israel in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you, Jesus answered. Rabbi, Nathanael replied, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. Jesus responded to him, do you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree, you will see greater things than this. So Jesus is essentially saying, this is just the beginning, wait for it, right? He's challenging Nathanael a little bit in the fact that his faith is about to go deeper. Then he said, truly I tell you, you will see heaven and earth open, heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So Jesus is challenging the faith of Nathanael saying things like, just wait for it, it's just the beginning, we're just getting, I haven't even got started. I just told you I saw you under a fig tree and you believe. Right? Jesus had inserted some knowledge about Nathanael. And so this first sign is to dig in a little bit to ground them in their belief of who Jesus was. And yet that belief didn't come until the sign came. The completion of that belief. So today I I want to... after giving that backstory, I want to talk through three moments that we see in this kind of water to wine first miracle story. You guys ready? Yes. Okay, my first point is this. We see that Jesus is in the crisis, or as I will refer to it mostly, the cry. Yeah, it's good. We see that he's in the crisis. He's in the cry. John 2, 1. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding as well. Here's what I want you to hear. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother told him, this is her cry, they don't have any wine. What does this have to do with you and me, woman? Jesus asked. My hour has not yet come. So here we say Mary see Mary essentially crying out. And the reality is the reality of the story is that Mary likely had something to do with the wedding party. So they're probably extended family. That's probably why they were at the wedding. But a wedding goes seven days in this time. Can you even imagine ladies trying to plan seven days? No. I quit. We can't even make it to the altar. Um but so it goes seven days and so the stress of Mary what she's saying in this moment is that um, we're running out of wine and this doesn't look good on the bridegroom like the shame associated with not showing up and hosting well and so she felt that urgency and that's why she comes to Jesus and says we're running out of wine and throughout the Bible we see similar cries and even more intense cries right Mary's not coming from a lamenting place She's not even sad. She might be a little stressed because she's trying to help make sure everything goes smoothly. and you know, But she's not coming from a lamenting place. She's still crying out. She's still saying we need help. But we see in the story of Job, we see lamenting. In the story of David, the psalmist, Jason jokingly said, just go through Psalm and like, you know, have you ever done this with your Bible? Like, I just really need a word for today. Let's see. Oh, that looks good. Yet there shall be a distance between you and I. Oh, no, that's not the word for the day. You know? It says it. I made that part up just to make you laugh. But, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, so Jason was joking. He's like, well, literally, you could just, like, find a cry by, like, going through Psalms and pointing <laughs> and seeing. So I tested this out this morning, last night. I was like, let me see if this is true. And I went through, and three out of five times, I did find David crying about something. (laughs) So, we see David lamenting at certain moments. Rightfully so. I mean, the guy, he had a lot of stress in his life. With every person before the completion of a miracle, we hear and understand the cry. Even for ourselves, right? We're looking for a miracle. We're wanting God to do something in our lives. And it all starts with a cry. It starts with a, Jesus, help me. It starts with a a need. Jesus is going to the cross. He knows that his entire life was purposed for the moment of the cross. And yet we even see him in Mark 14 cry out to God. It says this, Mark 14, 35. He went a little farther, fell to the ground, and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father... All things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. He's saying, please don't make me do this. Yeah. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Yeah. In Jesus' cry, though, God was in his midst. That's good, right? He doesn't know. Like, the problem is that we think that, that God is not in the midst of our cry. We often feel abandoned and alone in the middle of it, right? We feel insecure and unsafe and we feel, not, and we feel like, well, I follow you, Jesus. I shouldn't be going through this. Do you ever feel that? <laughs> Why am I going through this? I'm a good, good girl. <laughs> I shouldn't be going through this, right? But the one thing you can say in the Bible is he promises that we're going to go through trials. So you might as well just get it out of your head now that you're not. It's going to happen, right? It is our reality. But the thing is, is so often we felt like we feel like Jesus leaves us in the midst of our cry. But Deuteronomy 31, 6 promises the opposite. It says, for the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. So good. You see, the promise is that God is with us, that he goes with us. He's in the cries of our heart. He's in the middle of our crisis. And it doesn't matter how big or small it is. It doesn't matter if you need wine for the wedding or you're going through a battle, the battle of your life, for your life. He's in the midst of the cry. That's right. Just as he was for Mary. He's in your desperate desires and he's there when we cry out to him and he does not leave us. Good. Yeah. One thing you can see strung throughout the Bible is that in the midst of the cry, there is always faith. Right? When we cry out to God, it's because we know, we ultimately know deep down in our heart that he is there and he is listening. Yeah. And when you look at Job, when he cries out, he cries out. He might complain. He might desire something different. He lost literally everything in his life. And yet he still turns to faith. David, the blubberer of all blubberers. (laughs) You're welcome. Try to say that three times fast. (laughs) He cries out, but when you see in the Psalms, he'll cry out. And at the end of that Psalm, almost every time, he is back into faith. He's back into understanding that his God is faithful and his God has got him. Jesus cries out, yet says, but your will be done. He's in a place of faith, understanding that our Father has a bigger picture. Finally, Mary, in her cry, though seemingly insignificant, compared to these leaves us with faith, leaves with faith by saying do whatever he tells you. She legit says, he says what does this have to do with me and she says do what he tells you and walks away. That's faith. We have that kind of faith where it's like, Lord you hear my cry, this is what I need, I'm going to walk away, I'm going to let you do that. I'll leave it with you, right? We need to learn how to do that. This leads us to the next observation I have. And that is the second point. Jesus is in the process. He's in the wait. So I'm going to speak to a lot more about the wait. John 2, 5 through 8. This is the weight. Do whatever he tells you, his mother told the servants. Now six stone water jars had been set there for Jewish purification. Each contained 20 or 30 gallons. Fill the jars with water, Jesus told them. So they filled them to the brim. Then he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the head waiter. And they did. Most often, our struggle is that we quit in the cry. We quit quit in the crisis. We kind of give up faith. Right then and there because we didn't have this immediate snap your fingers miracle. But God's asking us to be a part of the process for our miracle. And here we see him tell the servants, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go fill up these 30 gallon buckets, jars, with water. Now Jesus literally could have just said, go get wine, right? They have to leave the party because water typically was found at a well, which was typically found right outside of the community. It was something you'd have to travel to get. It was not something that was just readily available. There was no sinks, right? There was no just quick hot water, quick cold water, just pour it in a bucket, right? So a couple things are happening. One, they would have to go to the well to get the water. Or two, they would have to go to what, where this location possibly was, which was possibly near a stream called Cana of Galilee, the stream of Cana in Galilee. And we don't know, like, they don't, they don't know where exactly Cana was, where exactly this took place. But either way, there was a, a reality that they had to leave the party to go get the water to bring back the miracle. Yeah. 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 So you have this image of these servants who have a bucket of water. We don't know how many servants are there, so we don't know how long this process is going to take, but let's just pretend it's you, and that's it. You have a bucket, and Jesus says, I want you to go get your miracle. So you're going to go out. You're going to go to the stream. You're going to get the water. You're going to fill it up. You're going to cry out, God, this is so hard. This is so difficult. God, why am I going through this? God, would you please just heal me? God, would you do this? God, I trust you. I have faith in you. And I'm going to just continue crying out my faith and filling up the jar in preparation for the miracle. But how many times is this going to take that I have to go and fill it up and wait? I am in the wait. They were in the wait of the miracle. They were waiting for what was going to happen. Yeah. They might have taken, this may have taken 30 minutes, it may have taken an hour, but either way, they're waiting right. for the miracle. Right. They're going to, they don't even know what's going to happen. They just, Mary said, do what they say, do what he says, and they said, okay, this seems kind of redundant, but I'm going to keep doing it. This seems a little, you know, like, can, is who is this guy? Couldn't he just, if he can do something about it, can't he just like make this simpler? Right? right? No, nope. I'm going to teach you something I want to teach you something in the miracle right. some of us are asking God I really want my person and God's saying give me more time so you have to wait and in the wait, you're giving him your time. In the wait, you're, you're waiting on him. You're making him your person in the wait. God, I need more blessing. I need more money. And he's like, okay, wait for it. But in the meantime, give more. What? That's usually what he does too. It's really tricky. Give more. But don't you know I don't have enough? No, you do. Trust me. Because in the wait, I'm going to develop more. Right? In the weight, it's not wasted because there's so much more yeah. happening in the weight. Romans 3 yes. Romans 5 3 says this, and not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. What is this producing? Yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm getting tired. So <laughs> and they're not even real water. <laughs> what is this producing? Endurance. Someone just told me they ran a half marathon yesterday. They cannot run the half marathon without the weight. They cannot run the half marathon without, ju- they can't just go, Jesus, help me run a half marathon and go run a half marathon. You will die. Right? You're not ready. There's preparation in the weight. Verse 4, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope Will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts right. through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Amen. See, we think nothing's happening until the the cry, the cry is answered. Yeah. We think nothing is happening between the stream and the filling up. Of the jars. Oh, yeah. But the reality is that miracles are actually happening on the entire journey. That's good. Yeah. Right? Okay, like here's one. Self is, selflessness yeah. is now happening. Yeah. God, I want my person. Well, you're too selfish. You need to wait. So lean into me. Come on, lean into me. I will help with that. And here I am stripping away. <laughs> All selfishness, right? All right? As I serve my Father, as I love my God. That's good. A trust is built in the middle of the weight. Yeah. So I don't know why we're doing this, God. Like if anyone's ever been in the military, you understand you're not just going to go out to battle tomorrow right after you sign up, right? Right. Yeah. That's not gonna happen. You gotta produce some endurance. You gotta produce some trust. You gotta produce some camaraderie. You gotta produce some life skills. You're not just going to go in and, and go to battle. And God's like, you know, if I just give you the miracle right now, I just snap my fingers and give you the miracle, you have developed nothing. Wow. You've rooted yourself in nothing. Yes. In fact, you've just become a generation who thinks that everything is just thrown at you and given to you. Or the minute rice generation or the throw it in the microwave and it's done generation or the, the air fryer. I do like the air fryer <laughs> generation. Where it takes five minutes and you've got a whole meal. Instapot. But but there's a process. There's something that comes out of you in the waiting. Right? When you have to wait to eat your meal, how much better is your meal? Yes. Right. Have you ever like sat down and ate a meal so fast and you just realized that took an hour and I just ate that so fast I didn't even get to enjoy it? I feel like in the midst of the, the wait, God is teaching us how to enjoy the miracle. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Because the reality is if you... If you decided, if he said, okay, well, I'll just snap my fingers and wine's done. It's done. Nobody learns nothing. The disciples didn't watch the miracle take place had to watch these servants do what they were doing, walking back and forth, and in the meantime are developing expectation, anticipation, believing God for something big, just waiting to see what is Messiah going to do. And our reality is so often that we just want to have it now that we don't develop the anticipation so when the miracle actually happens, we're like, okay, thanks, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. But if you had to go through the process of going and getting your miracle, I have to go get my miracle, and I'm going to pick it up, I'm going to carry it, and for a while I'm praying, and I'm seeking God, I'm like, God, I know you can do this, I want you to do this, I'm, I'm developing faith and endurance and trust and character, All the things that we don't develop if he just goes like that. So there's, he is in the weight. And the reality is that even though I just talked all about how it affects you, it's actually not about you at all. (laughs) It is 100% about him. He is not a genie in a bottle. He longs to be glorified. So he may be taking you through a journey, a long journey or a short journey. He may be taking you through a journey of wait because he knows that the end of that wait is ultimately a greater glorification of him. Where he had to strip away you and you thinking that you did this. Right? And strip that away and and get you into complete reliance on him. To where now he can be glorified because you realize I did nothing to make that happen. All I did was keep bringing over my tears. All I did was keep bringing over my cry of my heart. All I did was show up and plead. And he showed up by glorifying himself. (laughs) See, we see throughout the um, Bible in, in... all of the Gospels, and where all miracles are taking place, we see that there's always a wait before a miracle. So one I want to go through really quickly. I'm not going to read it all, but it's Mark 5, verse 21 through 43, in case you want to go back and kind of read the non-Erica super paraphrase. You can do that. Jairus comes to Jesus, falls at his feet, crying out that his daughter's dying. And he asks Jesus, come and lay hands on my daughter. Here's his cry. And he knows his solution. See, the thing is, we all know our solution is Jesus. Yes. But sometimes it takes time to, soup, to, to, to really seed in there, your solution is Jesus, right? right. It's not yourself, yeah. right? Yeah. So Jairus comes to him laying down saying, I know the only way that she is going to get well is by you laying hands on my daughter. Well, so they start towards his home. He says, okay, no problem, I'll come with you. Start towards his home. And then suddenly, he's crowded by a bunch of people and someone touches his cloak power goes out of him. And a woman who had had the issue of blood, an issue of blood for 12 years is healed in that moment. See though, we think she had an immediate healing. But she started crying 12 years ago. We think Jairus, as they go after Jesus, you know, loves this girl, says great is your faith as he goes to Jairus and Jairus' people come and say she's already dead, it's too late and Jesus says no it's not we think that even Jairus didn't have to wait we think it was immediate he had to wait, can you imagine being a father whose child is dying on their deathbed, you're going to Jesus the one and only that you know can do this and you have to wait for some woman who has an issue of blood for 12 years they can't wait 30 more seconds can't wait two more minutes. I need. I have my daughter on her deathbed. Right. He has to wait. The anxiety of the wait. Yeah. He has to sit in it. He has to understand that I can do that and I can do this. Right. Right. I can do both ends because I'm Jesus. I am Lord. I am glorified. I am the one. Yeah. That's right. And so I think the reality is is so often we, we look at every miracle that we see in the Bible and we think instantaneous. Right. But each one, if you look at it, you see, oh, they had a weight. Some people were born blind and they didn't get their healing for years. Right. They had to sit in the process and in the weight. Yeah, okay. See, in the weight, Jesus is telling a much larger story. And that story isn't about you or I. Like I said, it's all about him. Right. He's setting the stage to bring himself the greatest amount of glory. Mm. So if, if making us go get our miracle is going to bring him more glory. That's what he's going to do. We're going to go through a process. And we're going to ask for a miracle, and we're going to beg and plead. Meanwhile, he's bringing himself more glory. In Mark 14, his cry was made to God, if possible, take this from me, while in the same breath saying, not my will, God, but yours be done. See, that's where we need to come to in our cry. We need to come to this place of being able to cry out to God and saying, God, if possible, would you? But understand, not my will, but yours be done. Good. That's right. That's good. And just because it doesn't happen instantaneously doesn't mean miracles are not happening the entire time. Come on. Miracles are happening the entire time. And I think our, we need to open our eyes and see that, like, we literally have miracles going on in our life every right. single day. Right. And sometimes that miracle is just him stripping you down to, to just know him better. Right. To push away all of our fleshly things, yeah. right? To come into life and in communion with him so that ultimately he will be glorified at the end. That we can never stand up here like I stand up here. I could never stand up here and boast because I know that I couldn't even be speaking had I not had a savior who worked on me diligently and does still every single day you know often still feeling like inadequate and a humbled like no thank you I don't know but the reality is that that he's stripping me down so that he gets all the glory it's beautiful. It's beautiful. my third point is this Jesus is in the finished work or the gift So John 2, 9 through 11, we see that he he has made the water into wine. It becomes the best wine of the party. And Jesus did this. The first signs in Cana of Galilee, he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. Many times we quit between the cry and the gift. I just wonder how many of us were so close to experiencing a miracle. How many of us were so close to experiencing the gift and the finality of the thing we were hoping for? Or how many of us don't even realize he's actually already given it to you? It's just in a different way than you wanted it. How many of you know, like, God is really good about giving us gifts that we didn't know we needed? Right? So sometimes our miracle has been fulfilled. It's just a matter of the fact that it didn't look like the way it started when you cried it out. He shaped and reformed it to become what it was meant to be, to ultimately, again, glorify him above everything. See, four years ago, when we did our first motion offering four years ago, our heart was to open a home here in Salt Lake City for women. Well, at the time, it wasn't for women. It was for men who had come out of like a... Um, four to six week drug rehab program but then would be just thrown back onto the streets and actually just end up right where they started and so that was our initial cry like God how can we solve this and we know that Jesus has to be the center of this in order to solidify it in them to find healing well over time God just slowly started developing our cry he changed it Not that we don't still have a heart for men and all of that. We do. And who knows what God will do one day. But he changed it. So as we started going through the process of, okay, Lord, we're going to put this out there to our church and see what they think about it. And everyone loves, you know, the idea, right? He just slowly started developing as we started walking out and crying out, God, we want to solve this problem, but we don't have enough. How are we going to make it happen? Lord, in order to do this, we need money. We need a home. We need all the things, all the things, right? And over four years, it took four years of waiting. Four years. And we still have not arrived, but two Tuesdays ago we closed on a home for Redemption House. Yeah. Yeah the gift has been provided the cry started out one way and over years God reshaped shaped and formed it as we did the work and we, and we sought him more and said God what are you trying to do here and why is it suddenly switching and we went through the process we came to a finished moment it's not the finished work right it's a finished moment it's a gift where he said hey I've heard your cries here's your answer guess who didn't buy this home we did not buy this home we didn't Someone came alongside and said, hey, another servant came alongside. I believe in this one. I'm going to do this. We're going to do this. I don't know what it's going to look like. We're going to have to look at 50 houses beforehand. We have to close by this date in order for it to work. All these things that I don't even know all of them, but Pastor Seth does. He's on the front row. Uh, And I'm going to come alongside of you, and I'm going to help you enter into the gift that God has for us. And the reality is that he is now mostly glorified because he didn't just give it to us at the beginning. He's glorified because it's been years of waiting. And it's more exciting now because we've all been anticipating, when is this going to happen? When is it coming? And the timing wasn't right initially. Year one, the timing wasn't right. We didn't have the money. We didn't have the way but we just kept showing up, pouring out our heart, believing God for a miracle, knowing that he has called us to this and today he's shown up and he brought the gift and in a few months, hopefully soon, hopefully August, we'll be opening a home with four to six girls who will just have come out of trafficking who will find healing and redemption in him because we didn't quit. We didn't quit two years in to the cry when two years in we're like, we're going to tell the church about this one more time. Are you sure? We're going to keep talking about it. Like you just heard that it's still on our hearts. There's still lots of work to do. But the reality is that it was in the process that, that Jesus was with us. It was in the gift that Jesus is with us. It's in the cry that Jesus is with us. He doesn't leave us. He just continues to help make it bigger so it can glorify Him more. And the reality is that when we wait for it, We understand a few things. We understand that every aspect of the waiting is important. Every moment of waiting can be sacred. See, when we start stopping, stop requesting, and start looking at what he's doing, we see him moving sacredly in every moment. See, he always hears our cry, and at the same time, he always keeps us waiting. (laughs) That's promising, huh? And at the same time, he's always generous. So while he hears you, he asks you to go get your miracle. And in the midst of getting your one miracle that you want, wine, he's giving you endurance and faith and hope. And he's giving you a better diagnosis. And he's giving you $50 in the mail. That happened to me the other day. Every time I go to the mailbox, I'm like, God, check, please. (laughs) I don't necessarily need it. I just want it but check please another day I opened a piece of mail and it was like $35 from Wells Fargo thank you I don't know why but I'll take it <laughs> so I don't know what that has to do with anything except I want to share my story with you but the reality is that he does show up okay there are things that are desires in my heart that I know is not time my hour for that thing has not yet come yet Jesus is still working He's still in the midst of the story. He's still developing me, preparing me so that when the water is turned to wine, it will be so much more miraculous than had he just said, here you go, have it all. Right? So I just want to take a few minutes because I know that for some of you, you're sitting in the middle of the wait.